Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's a mere three feet from me, <laughs> Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, my name is Kyle, not a mere. Um, it is. Uh, <laughs> that was a good one. That was my good jokes one. are better on video. Uh, this is a rare occurrence, folks. Um, Gerald and I have been friends for three decades. Yeah, yeah, pretty that much. Sounds yeah. about right. Um, we've been doing this podcast for what feels like a whole decade, but just just under. Um, the better 75% of one. Um, and this is the first time in the history of this podcast that we have ever been recording live from the same room. Uh, we have done speaking engagements before yep, yep. in the same room, but we have never recorded the podcast in the same room at the same time. We've gotten close, but we've never, we've never done this. This is weird. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the, we would occasionally record them from the same state Correct. when I was in town for visiting my folks, but with the move to San Antonio and then being in Houston for work, it just made sense for us to get together and record. Uh, so yeah, I'm here in the uh, Carpenter Abode, I think is the way to say it, Abode, is I, that? I think it is the Humble Abode. The Humble yes. Abode, Kyle taking active selfie while we're recording, because right. it's, a, it's a visual medium, That's it is right. what it is. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Kyle and I's seating arrangement, even though uh, <laughs> I am on the left as the host should be, Kyle is on the right as the co-host should be. As, as the talent, well. talent is correct, right? yes. Yeah. As the producer, whatever it might be, whatever, we're just going to stop <laughs> talking about it. But we're going to talk about Big 12 Media Days, Texas. Uh, kick things off today, Sark and the players got to talk. Brett Yormark also talked a little bit, we'll share some of his quotes. BOL is chock full Today, we've got our MLB draft wrap-up, some Texas recruiting news, Ivan Melendez getting called up, all sorts of fun stuff, and obviously, we'll close our Thursday show out like we do every Thursday with a little Godzilla-tron. But we'll start with the Big 12 Plus 2 had its media days. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, along with a contingent of Quinn Ewers, Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy, Johnny Barron, and Chalen Ford all were there to speak to the media. Sark uh, did a, a solid set, talked a lot about uh, the maturity of this group and what their leadership is going to look like. Talked about how the offensive line is stepping up was a big subject of conversation. Kyle, thinking about what, what Sark said, this is like the first vestiges of college football season being here. So mm. uh, like, how excited are you? And, and what did Sark say maybe that got you going? Media Day is fun, right? This is such a unique year. And we're it's fitting we're talking BYU, one of the newer teams. It's a unique year where you had a little bit of energy from new teams you'd never seen before, a little bit of this kind of nervous energy of, you know, OU and Texas are, are on the way out. We know it. Um, and then, you know, this is a year where Texas is the overwhelming favorite. So it's a, a really interesting cocktail to make it. I, I, you know, had it at least on in the background. I do work, I promise, uh, while I was working uh, from home this afternoon and, and uh, caught most of it recorded and caught the rest. So we... we uh, we're up to speed, um, but I'm still kind of trying to find there was nothing. And maybe this is what it means to be the front runners, to be the, you know, the favorite is there was nothing that Texas said that was bulletin board. There was nothing shocking. Um, but I think the right things were said. Right. I think you basically saw that that Sark really legitimately believes in this team and in Quinn Ewers specifically, uh, one of the players who was there. Um 
they it seems like you know he he gave praise to some of the more senior players who are still on the staff who are still or on the roster who are, you know came under Herman and are still here and gave praise to those guys who are contributors but also you hear the way he talks about it getting his guys in and reshaping this team and making them uh, aggressive and win at the point of of uh, contention at the line of scrimmage um, and I and I don't think that's any coincidence right um, Whittington I think is the the uh, maybe Baron actually. Excuse me. Three of the of the five, uh, Whittington, Barron, and Jalen Ford are all guys who were here before Sark, and I like that, right? I like that the culture committee. Um, it's not just Sark's guys; it's the team. Um, the interesting thing: Bijan was at the last two. Obviously, wasn't there? Roshan, Bijan, Overshon, all in the NFL. Ovio Gofu is the other. He's at LSU now, um, but a completely new group of folks representing Texas. Um, and, and that's a little bit of the reminder, right? This team has all the talent. That's what Sark said. That's what the commentators said. You know, they were the coaches and media uh, preseason pick. Um, but what you're looking at, right, is a team that uh, is going to have to find those leaders, is going to have to find a different voice. And I thought it was interesting to hear from Ewers, Whittington, Worthy, Barron, and Jalen Ford all. Um, you know, the talking point is this year, right? It's 2023. Everyone likes to talk about SEC. This was the Big 12 media days. This is 2023 media days. This is focus. And I think Texas, we talked about it when it came out, when the 24 conference schedule came out, it's done a really good job of grounding the guys on the mission at hand at win the Big 12 this year. And they're not shying away from that. I think Sark said, right, you come to UT to have those expectations put on you. They're not shying away from the fact that they are the favorites. They're not getting big-headed. They're going to, you know, try to live up to that. And I think he said all the right things. Um, but they're not shying away from it, which is good, right? Own it. Go in there. Know that the target will be on your back every every week this year. And I think they said all the right things. Yeah, I, think, I mean, the quote from Sark that sticks out is like, there's a lot of talk about the SEC, but most of these guys came to Texas to win a Big 12 championship, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's the quote uh, that speaks to me about where the mindset of this team is. I think, you know, it, it's really easy for you to look ahead to those things, especially as a fan, right? We get excited about those. The SEC drops a hype video when it's official and all those things. But, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. And, and like I said, I hope, I, I hope this is indicative of the team's mindset. But the day that the SEC schedule came out, all the Texas players tweeted this year's schedule out. They posted yep. it on their socials. And I think that is the focus that they have. And at least from what they're saying, right, obviously we'll see what uh, on the field plays out. But what they're saying are things like, you know, that that this is the year. We came here to win a Big 12 championship. Sark mentioned that, like, he the culture that the team has created. He didn't say the culture I created or brought in. He said they bought in and, and they're living out the culture and creating the culture. And I think that's huge, right? As somebody who does – I do, like, leadership coaching and development for, you know, part of my day job – and it's great for the leader to hand down culture, but it really takes root and takes shape and takes off when the team members are, are the ones that are doing it. The team members are the ones that are living it out, holding each other accountable, pushing things forward. And so that, to me, at least based on what Sark has shared, is actually what's happening. And so I'm excited for that. We've said this before. We've been in this position before. Texas has been a really talented football team before. Um, but maybe, maybe, maybe this year feels different. I'm, I'm hesitant to say it, but it, it, it feels a little different. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Like Ewers is, is not – the whole thing about him is he's not a, an old player. We know he's uh, been – in the news for a while, but he's really heading in earnest into his second year. But Sark talks a little bit, and we've talked about as well in our quarterback preview about changing his body composition, kind of coming uh, more professional. Um, he, he being Quinn Ewers, talked about Xavier Worthy um, when he was asked about him, and he said, you know, X is, is showing up differently as a leader. He's, he's settling in and growing up. Like, there was those conversations. Um, it's good that those guys are, are new leaders on that offense, um, you know, 
filling the Bichon, Roshan, uh, Bijan, Roshan void, and they're going to need that, right? Like, I, I do think the talent is there. It's all between the ears this year and how they do it, right? Between the tackles, between the ears. Um, but uh, our offensive line preview will be next week. Um, but no, I, 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 I legitimately think, right, the guys that were selected, Whittington, in his sixth year, seventh year, eighth year, whatever it is, is is the old head. You know what you're getting from him. I'm excited that he's going to be one of the leaders. But how Quinn Ewers, who's not a vocal guy, but seems to have won the locker room, and Sark talked about his decision to make Quinn kind of the, the starter early on was both for the team to accept him and also for Quinn to feel like, he, you know, it's his. He doesn't have anything to prove, anything to lose. Just go be you. Um, and then again, Xavier Worthy is the player I think everyone in the – conference country yeah uh, at least austin uh and, and fans of the longhorns will be watching and, and you know hearing a lot of good things it's the offseason everyone had a perfect offseason but the th- types of things you're hearing about him in maturity in stepping up in making plays in 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 you know uh in camp and and doing the things that we we know from him but again from him stepping into a leadership role, I, I am actually very intrigued. As we know, those two guys connecting is uh, a lot of the reason that people expect this team to be good. Xavier Worthy, one of one unanimous preseason all-conference players uh, for Texas. And, and again, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's a contract year. We said it before. We said it again. It's a contract year for Xavier Worthy. It's a contract year for Quinn Ewers. It's a contract year for A.D. Mitchell. It's a contract year for Jalen Ford. It's a contract year for a lot of guys. And so I'm – I you'll see hopefully we'll see that level of focus from a guy who's trying to really play his spot in the NFL and Sark said it you know today that if Quinn Ewers plays up to the level that we all think he can championship level he called him championship yeah the NFL prognosticators are right he will be a top quarterback coming off the board because he has all those physical attributes and if he can put it together all the way and play at a championship level which is what I think the goals are for Texas He's going to be one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the country, and there, there's that's I don't think that's debatable. This is a quarterback-led team. We've we've seen you know what freshman to sophomore quarterbacks do, right? Like Vince Young in, in his second year, much much better. Colt McCoy in his second year, significantly better. Ellinger, huge jump. Like we we've seen that. We know that. We expect that, right? Um, you know, if you take his stats and prorate them f- for playing a full <laughs> year, he had a pretty good start you know if he's going to make the same type of jump then he will be in that in that category just you know on historic trends and then you take into effect um his talent sark's history um with quarterbacks the the receiving as we talked in our last preview influx of receiving talent um and, and again the offensive line right sark even mentioned it there right like it's not ideal to start two freshmen they had to do it they they did it and those guys stepped up and they're going to be better for it the whole team um you know young guys fighting for jobs christian jones coming back like they have all the same people. It may not be the exact same. We'll talk in our preview the exact same five uh, as it was last year, but they have the opportunity for consistency of the five and then someone to jump up and take it, right? And that's great, right? This this team is as deep as it's been since Sark has been here, the two deep, the three deep in places. They have guys who've done it, right? They're not relying on a ton of freshmen. If freshmen play, what do we always say? It's, uh, it's a good thing if they play because they're that talented, not at playing out of – necessity get to that I have to right? correct correct um and so yeah I mean I think it's uh I I think it's everything Stark was saying probably aligns with what I'm sure we wanted to hear but what we were hoping to hear right I think um you know he was very honest in some cases we're not going to replace Roshan uh and Bijan's talent with just two guys we're not going to put two guys in to replace those two guys <laughs> um you know and it may not just be replaced by running backs right which you know they're 
I think, saying what we thought, right? They're going to spread the ball around. They're going to get it to multiple dudes. They're going to bring those new and old receivers all around the field. And so um, nothing, again, earth-shattering, but I think said all the right things. And I think, like I said, at the end of the day, the fact that this team is acknowledging that they're favorites, acknowledging that they want to win a Big 12, it's felt like, at least for fans of Texas football, it's been scary to say that out loud because we've, uh, you know, we've seen high hopes and you know, low performance for a decade. Um, but they're, the fact that they're acknowledging it, owning it, and saying, yeah, we're not hiding from it. We want to win the Big 12 championship. Like, we don't want to, you know, misset the expectations and not. No, we expect to win the Big 12 championship this year. And like your mark said, right, it's, uh, you know, the, the Big 12 is well positioned to have a team in the final four team playoff this year. And I think without saying it out loud, probably the best path to that is Texas. Yeah, and I, I, again, I think it would be great for Texas to go out like that. You know, uh, I've made it no secret that this is kind of the dream scenario for me that Texas in its final year in the Big 12 goes ahead and uh, wins the conference and then goes and plays for a national championship. Heck, even if they're just in the conversation, right? If they're like, oh, is a, a two-loss team going to get in? If Texas is in that conversation, I think this thing starts to become self-sustaining, and that's just my own personal bias. It's a longer conversation to be had about that. But it's talking season, and so we will do some more talking about it later as it comes up. Uh, the rest of the teams will go as well, and we'll have more updates, especially as it pertains to uh, sizes. Kyle's big <laughs> on the beef. Ugh. Little uh, deep dive roster analysis is always fun. Uh, the one other thing, Gerald, I did want to take a look at was your mark had a couple comments. Um, <laughs> Kirk Bowles, our guy. Uh, Good work, Kirk. Oh, Kirk. What, what, a, what a truly specific Thanks, uh, individual. Asked, uh, asked your mark with like the first. By the way, the first like four questions in the open Q&A were all UT or OU media <laughs> folks, which just felt, again, on the nose. Um, but Bowles asked, you know, would it be you better for be the back? <laughs> would it be better for the Big 12 if someone other than OU and, or Texas won uh, the, the final, uh, you know, won the championship this year? And he just like, you could see his look is like, are you freaking kidding me? What? <laughs> you expect me to say anything to answer that? And he went on a great poll. Yormark did a good job answering. Good he, work, was, he was relatively honest, relatively open. He skipped questions he didn't want to answer. He sounded like a politician, but uh, his like, thank you for that question that he said <laughs> to literally everyone except Kirk Bull, um, which was funny. Um, but anyways, uh, that and then the other piece that Yormark said is, of course, uh, the once Texas is gone and they have to uh, find ways to get people to tune in and watch the, the conference, they might move to Friday and Thursday games, which is interesting. Rough. And then the, the final one was we, uh, your mark was proud of accelerating the Texas and OU withdrawal, which is a win-win for all parties, which is, I'm so glad that that's how um, he's choosing to frame it. I don't know how to say this other than it feels like you broke up with somebody, but let them pick the date. Right? Yeah. Like we're, we're broken up, but you can post it on Instagram when you want to, Correct. when you're ready, Correct. you can change it on social media, yeah, but it's, it, it's, it's a little, to it it's a little toxic, but it's like, you know what? It, we're both better if this doesn't happen. So if that's what you need for your closure, you get to, you get to post it, girl. All right, Gerald. Now it's time for a little burnt orange lenses where we look at the world through our uh, beautifully burnt orange colored spectacles. Um, starting off with keeping it football, Texas gets a commitment from three-star defensive lineman Melvin Hill, 6'3", 270, out of the boot. Uh, we've done well with defensive linemen out of the boot. Um, we've, we've done well with, uh, with you know, large three-star uh type of lineman who fit this profile. I don't know why it just makes me think of, of uh, Roach coming out of there. Yeah, uh, not Mike, fair. Um, but the, uh, the football playing Roach um, out, of, out of LA. And if so, that's, uh, that's, that's a pretty good take. 
Yeah, I mean, 6'3", 270, uh, probably one of those interior linemen like the three technique. He's not going to be playing at nose like um, yeah, Texas landed another kid in this class that will likely take up the nose spot. But, you know, this is one of those where it feels like the don't look at the number don't look at the number of stars he's a three-star kid look at like who offered him right like alabama lsu georgia Ole miss like all the sec offered him uh texas uh, alabama had coleman hutzler on his recruitments like that's a big deal um so this is one that you know there are schools that when they sign off on talent they're like oh yeah doesn't matter what the number next to their name says that that they're a dude you want and and Alabama and Georgia are one and one a at this point. It's very clear that there's a reverse burnt orange media conspiracy going on very, where very clear. they're just tanking the ratings of Texas players. These are all actually five stars. No, I'm kidding, um, obviously. But no, I I will say, I'm not upset at the idea that we're taking fringe three to four stars who you know again yes it's nice when you look at the offer list there's another uh big man with you know one of the best offer sheets i've ever seen who's apparently a three star um but it's nice to have that credential to say yeah other people saw it but i also like that you know we're in an era where Texas isn't just going down the sheet and signing, you know, high fours. It seems like they're looking at kids who fit the profile, the position, who they know they can develop and mold. And if Texas is a program of developing and mold, watch out because they've never not been able to get the talent. There's just been times when it felt like guys better show up with all the talent, uh, because that's what you're going to go to the NFL with. You'll only get incrementally better versus other programs that really, uh, you know, grew guys. So if Texas can can get that, um, you know, can actually do that, but also have that reputation, man, that's that's sterling to have both that and obviously just the natural talent they're going to accumulate. Jalen Ford was the beta test for the new Texas development uh, market. I, I, that's, I think, a pretty good that's one. It. The, the preseason <laughs> Big 12 player of the year. All I got. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Gerald, um, speaking of coming to Texas and going to the next level, MLB draft wrapped up. There was plenty of Longhorns and Longhorn commits who were a part of this. No horns or uh, high school horns um, taken in, in day one. Um, I did find an interesting stat that Texas faced four first-round hitters who were drafted in that first round in 2023 and Impressive. were astoundingly good against them. The, the four first-round hitters were five for 31 with seven walks, four runs and two RBIs. Like those are the guys who are, should be dominating you. They should be like 24 for 31. And it seemed like, and I, this, this tracks with the year, Texas was better at shutting down the other team's best player and ended up giving up runs to the seventh and eighth hitters. Don't know what that was. Don't know how you fix it, but uh, just an interesting stat from day one. I think David Pierce knows how to fix it. I I hope you're right. At least he thinks he does. (laughs) He's betting big on it. Um, Probably not unrelated. Um, date, a couple names we'll talk about here. Day two, uh, the Horns continued their streak of a player drafted in every single MLB draft in history. Um, and the first player off the board was right-handed pitcher Travis Sikora. There's still some whispers. There were a lot more before he went, you know, right at the beginning of day two uh, that he may, because he went number 71 and he was probably like the 40th, 30th best prospect. They kind of got to steal the Nationals. Um, does that mean that he might come to UT? I think now the whispers have died down, and it's it's likely that the dude is going to be playing, uh, going straight into the, the minors. But um, will sign probably above slot. They're going to take care of him is, is what I'm hearing. Um, but Sikora, Campbell, Gordon all gone on day two. Joe, what do you think? 
I think we anticipated not having Dylan Campbell and Lucas Gordon this next year. I think that's that was yeah. all she said. It Sakura, you know, the Nationals drafted two four-year college guys, so they'll likely be able to go like under slot with both of them, and then give him a little bit over slot money for it. So I, I honestly don't anticipate him making it to campus as well. But you know, when we talk about day three and the guys that we know are right. likely coming back, um, it doesn't. It hurts. It sucks. I'm not happy. You know, the number thirty prospect in the country could have been in burn orange, but right. um, the things that Texas still has coming back uh, satiate the or satiate the hunger a little bit, I suppose. Also, props to the uh, Texas social media team when Dylan Campbell went to the Dodgers. They called him the Dodger, D-A-W-G, Dodger Dog. Um, if you know, you know. Beautiful. Um, I just, yeah, I love that. When when social media gets a player in his identity and does it so well, they also uh, are now referring to him as Southside Gino because Lucas Gordon went to yeah. uh, the White Sox. Just, just brilliant, brilliant it, social media work there. Day three, as Gerald alluded to, um, we had... Travis Steely going in the 12th to the Nationals, Zane Morehouse in the 14th to the Cleveland Guardians, I believe. Yep. Uh, and in the G Wagon in the 15th round to the Astros. Expect all those guys probably to go. Maybe we'll see about Morehouse. The one that was interesting, Tanner Witt didn't go until later, and I think it was one of those like 18th round, um, you know, we just need to burn a pick. We don't, you know, there's nothing we really want to pay for right now. Um, and uh, I think teams at that point very much knew when Witt who was, you know, a top fifth top first round talent out of high school before Tommy John first round projection, even after everything this year was a top 50 uh, to top 100 kind of projection. When he didn't go early, it seemed people may have had injury concerns and it, everyone pretty much got it that he was coming back and he became official. He announced it today. Uh, Wit has some unfinished business and I think he's going to be hungry and I'm excited for a fully motivated Tanner Witt. Yeah, I mean, I think seeing Tanner went back and the fact that LeBaron Johnson went undrafted, like that's a that is the one two that got Texas pretty deep into uh, the postseason this year. So having those cool. two come back, Will Gaspar Gasparino Gasparano, I don't know where we're going with there, but anywho, high school signee was drafted lower than he wanted to be. Already announced that he's coming back. Like there is going to be quite a bit of talent coming back for Texas or coming to campus for Texas. Uh, so the expectations are going to be high next year. I think this is a team that, um, you know, Tanner Witt wants to show that he is, you know, a high slot guy, that he's a guy who you can take early and really be a part of your rotation and be a part of your team. And so, again, I said it before about uh, the quarterbacks and wide receivers for the football team, but this is definitively a contract year for him. And so I think getting him to a point where he can um, get on, get out, and get something for Texas and for himself, I, I, I'm excited to see that prospect play out. Yeah, it could, it could very likely be that they have their Friday and Saturday starter sorted with LBJ and Witt there. Um, and then, you know, with the transfers they've gotten in um, and with Charlie Hurley still on the roster, the USC oh, transfer check. last year, um, there's probably two, three guys fighting for that Sunday spot to start us off um, in the beginning of the year. So Pierce, you know, can be fluid with, with those rotations. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the arms are starting to shape up with these two at the top. I instantly feel a lot better about next year's rotation. That's not to say they can't still find something in the portal that they're done there. Um, wouldn't put it past them, but um, with the arms they've already got in and then adding these two basically back uh, to the roster, I feel, I feel real good about where they're starting. And speaking of where he's starting, we know it was the uh, the the hops, but 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 Ivan Melendez getting one step closer 
to the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. Um, moving up, finally, well-deserved after just crushing the ball for two months uh, pretty much every game as he did in college uh, in, in low ball, uh, low A ball. Um, is he up to double A Amarillo Sod Poodles? Gerald, can you think off the top of your head of five names in sports better than the Sod Poodles? Um... It's okay if the answer is no. When the missions do the chanclas, that's one. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's good. I mean, the Durham Bulls is probably one because I like Bull Durham quite a bit. It's classic, but I don't Very know that the name if to an outsider just is better than Sod Poodle. Yeah, Sod Poodle probably gets it. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily have anything. There's, there's, uh, yeah. Sometimes when we play really obscure colleges, we get great, uh, <laughs> yeah. great mascots. I don't know. Yeah, it's. It's hard. If, you, uh, if you're listening right now, tweet at us. Let us know if there's an objectively better name than the Sod Poodles. I know minor league baseball leans into this and has some tremendous ones. But Melendez, 18 home runs, 43 RBIs, 352 OBP. For those Hillsboro hops, very, very well deserved. Speaking of hops. Woo! Proud of this one. Volleyball was well represented uh, in the preseason awards. And, and uh, someone who makes her living hopping above the net will be stepping in as the face of the team, the face of the conference, maybe the, the face of the volleyball in this country at the collegiate level, uh, replacing, uh, can't replace, stepping in and taking the mantle of Logan Eggleston is Madison Skinner became the 16th Longhorn, I believe five in the last six years, to be named the preseason Big 12 player of the year and deservedly so yeah i mean she is she's got big shoes to fill like literally uh, i think it's going to be hard to be the it's always hard to be the, the person after the person right uh but i think if there's anybody that can do it maddie skinner absolutely can um you know seeing her get the player of the year um ella swindle was was named the co preseason freshman of the year mm-hmm. so the young talent is there um and then you know 25% basically of the all-conference selections were Longhorn. So there's a lot of uh, talent. And again, it's really up to uh, to Coach White to get that talent moving together. Yeah, I think no other team had more than two. Texas had four. Um, that's Skinner, Asia, O'Neal, Molly Phillips, and Jenna. Uh, I believe I, I can't wait for the first game or media guide, so I make sure I don't butcher this. Um, Jenna Weenas, I believe is how you're, you're saying this. <laughs> um, she's from uh, Minnesota, I believe, came from the Big Ten. Transferred in a setter uh, who has big, big expectations. Um, and, uh, and yeah, should, should slot right in and, and be a, a force from, from the jump. Uh, but, yeah, I believe we're one month out from the orange and white game, Gerald. This uh, volleyball season is, uh, is close. So exciting, exciting, exciting. Volleyball is the best sport in the world, and it's such a good way to introduce your kids to sports. Like, volleyball is so much fun. It's super fast, fast-paced. Um, and obviously, anytime you get to Champ Point, Texas is a win in my book. Many times. Never in the same room, but many times on this podcast, Gerald and I have said the best sporting uh, experience in the University of Texas on the 40 Acres is a volleyball game at, at the Greg. Um, someone who has one of the best sporting experiences in recent UT alum history uh julia grosso was named for the second consecutive time to the uh canadian team uh national team for the fifa women's world cup uh if you remember at the olympics grosso had the decisive penalty kick in the sixth round to beat sweden three to two in a penalty shootout um pretty Pretty big uh, moment for for any person to win a gold medal, basically yourself, in a shootout. That's what you practice as a kid when you're 
kicking a soccer ball against the fence in your backyard. Um, but she, of course, will be representing Canada. We will be rooting for the U.S. women's national team, but we will be rooting for Canada uh, as well. Um, that could be a likely final matchup Canada uh, with Julia Grasso for uh, them against the U.S. women. Yeah, I mean, I don't like seeing her on the other side of the field, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, again, when you see Texas as a place that gets you international acclaim, then it's obviously the place to be. And so getting her in, on the team obviously uh, increases the profile of the university and the soccer program. So, um, you know, it's one of those like talent begets talent kind of things where you talk about how there's no Kevin Durant without TJ Ford. I think mm. uh, we'll look here down in a couple of years where, you know, there's some, there's some young kid who watches Julia Grasso play at the Olympics and decides they want to go to Texas too. So I'm curious to see, um, how big of a bump this has for the profile of Texas soccer. I'm waiting for four, maybe eight years down the road when it's Canada versus U.S. in the finals and Julia Grasso lining up against Lexi Mismo and Trinity Byers. They're all that level uh, of, of talent. So excited that, that soccer is there right now. And another program that's rolling um, with talent, softball signs, third base, uh, slash DH, I guess, Julie Mitchell from Notre Dame. Mike White gets a former high school Gatorade uh, national player of the year on the roster she she put in her shift at notre dame uh all four years and will basically use uh, her final two years of eligibility texas felt like it was a, it was a piece or two away from being complete last year and so uh maybe this is it i'm not sure but you know she ended the season on a 15 game hitting streak and a 35 game on base streak so if you count getting hit or getting walked uh but i think for texas one you know depth is always great but two We've talked about it where there are days where the pitching just isn't there. And so minimizing those days is priority one of a coach. And, and you know, Texas could bolster its lineup, its hitting um, to, to help out with those days, right? When, when the pitching's not there, when the bullpen collapses, or, or when the bats go cold, because we saw that happen a couple of times where, you know, the Texas pitching was great, but Texas lost a 2 nothing game, right? So uh, there's an opportunity for for Mike White to, to bolster the lineup and get Texas, get the Texas pitching staff the support they need uh, so they don't have to throw no hitters every night, so they don't have right. to throw shutouts to kind of build the scaffolding underneath them. Yeah, yeah sometimes you have to score runs to beat OU. Uh, I think that's usually. Every now and again. <laughs> yeah, so uh, more bats, please. All right, Gerald, let's take it home. A little bit of Godzilla-tron. What are you watching on your giant screen? Yeah, so my wife and I are smack dab in the middle of a Mission Impossible rewatch to awesome. prepare for uh, Ghost Protocol Part one, I think, is the, the latest one. Uh, so we're excited about that. I am. Uh, I, I abandoned my Dexter rewatch because um, watching it through the lens of his uh, girlfriend turned wife as one of his victims uh, really bums me out because that's like the new one of the new perspectives I kind of picked up while watching it. Uh, I just could not watch him slowly destroy her life from the inside because he everything he touches uh, goes sideways. So stop that, but picked up Justified because Justified Ooh. is going to have another season. Ooh coming out and in um i've said this before and i'll say it again people love justified and i still think it's underrated like even with michael rapaport's bad louisiana accent that show <laughs> is still good like that's such a great season even though i, I was talking to, to to levi actually uh about this on twitter and like he wanted to compare it to to breaking bad like he asked that was the comparison he wanted to use is like that those are two different types of shows but even on its bad seasons, like the Michael Rappaport bad Louisiana uh, <laughs> season, um, it's still a solid like eight, eight. And you know, the first season leans too much into you know the the crime procedural of right, the week, right. but they 
didn't know if it was going to be a, a thing. And, it, you know, season one was based on a short story, so they had a little bit to fill in. Uh, but once it got picked up, season two was incredible and just keeps holding that high standard. And then um, I did mention I drove across the uh, – from San Antonio to Houston, which is it's not a super long drive. I think it took me like two hours and 40 minutes thanks to the uh, construction on the San Antonio side of I-10. Uh, but I'm, I'm listening to a book called The Poppy War. Um, and so it, it was came out in 2019 and quickly kind of took the world by storm. It's on like lists of like best 100 fantasy books of all time. Mm-hmm. But um, R.F. Kuang is the author. She wrote it. I don't know if she wrote it as a response to the fact that like most fantasy books and tropes are built on like medieval England and things like that. But it is very much set in a Eastern archetype, Eastern um, mysticism, Asian mysticism, that type of stuff. And it is just so freaking good. It is such a good read. Or I say, I say read, I'm listening to the audio book, but studies have shown that it stimulates the same part of your brain. So like suck it if you're not cool with <laughs> listening to audiobooks. Uh, but yeah, so it's a really, really good book. It is intense, very intense, but um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm about halfway through and I'm really having a great time with it. Yeah, Gerald. I, audiobooks, I need to get on it more. I, I tried to take a book with me to the beach this past week and it was uh, my eight-year-old niece's birthday. Um, and with an eight, five, and three, I, I picked it up about six times and set it down immediately when uh, Uncle Kyle needed to do something or other. Um, well, yeah, that's your job. Yeah, correct. Uh, but uh, yeah, could, couldn't actually read a page, I don't think, of that. Uh, that hard copy, maybe audiobook. I could have put a put an earpod in and, uh, and got it going. But um, justified, man. Is Margot Martindale uh, any any way involved in this this new season? She is not. Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, no spoilers. Yeah, I know, for it's, it's fair. I, after I said, it. you know, maybe it's a prequel type of thing. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Um, she was the best part of that show. That show had many good parts. One of my favorite shows of all time. You're right. Still underrated. Um, Gerald. So. This week was not even my pick of a show that I'm going to talk about. It was a show that my wife put on, and I was I was very um, just kind of like okay, sure. Um, as she was watching it in the background, I wasn't even actively watching it at the start. Um, do you have from the show notes where I wrote the words "famous grandson of a famous communist"? Do, do you have any idea what show I'm watching? Famous grandson of a famous communist. It might even be famous great grandson. I've got nothing, Kyle. Have you heard anything about Army Hammer? <laughs> yes, I have heard about Army Hammer. So there's a new Army Hammer show on HBO. Army Hammer. Yeah. His his Armand Hammer. Yeah, yeah, and his grandfather Arm and Hammer. Yeah. Like it's not a coincidence. No, it's not. His great-grandfather was the founder of the American Communist Party. Um oh. their money, their family money came from great-grandfather being a spy and a liaison who had you know hmm. access to go back and do business in russia um Interesting. they made lots and lots and lots of money they bought occidental petroleum oxy um made lots and lots of money the story basically shows multiple generations of like abusers and power you yeah, know that, fits, that, that uh, checks out yeah um and it was fascinating. Like, I, I, I couldn't stop watching it. Again, I was like, okay, famous person, you know, breaks bad, does something bad, cheats on his wife, whatever. Okay, I don't care. And then I was listening in the background. Within 10 minutes, I was like, hooked. My wife fell asleep. And usually that's my cue that I'm like, hey, I need to stop watching. I think I watched an episode and a half with her asleep on the couch. Couldn't stop watching it. It's fascinating. Did not know any of this when I watched the social media and anything I've seen him in since. Just thought he was a handsome goofy chap but no 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 their family is like stupid mega rich like he bought arm and hammer 
the company because his Post. name was Arm and Hammer. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I should buy that too. Like that type of money where it's like, yeah, I'll buy that corporation type of thing and made money off of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's fascinating. Um, this multi-generate and like his dad or maybe his grandfather, like they pretty much are positive murdered someone and got away with oh, it. Yeah. And it's like, well documented, like this stuff is just, it's wild. It's a wild watch. It's not like, <laughs> It's not substantial. You're not going to really gain much from it, but it's a it's a fascinating little tale of a of a of American family with wealth and and how wealth uh, allows you to just do whatever you want, like cannibalism. That's correct. That's all like we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbonator. Also, Threads, obviously, at Kyle Carbonator. You can follow uh, the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter at GH Goodridge. You can follow the show on Twitter on both Twitter and Threads at yeah. Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for tuning in again to the rare and probably repeated in-person Longhorn Republic podcast. And until next time, hook up. Hook up. Nice to see you so close, Joe.